This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Thank you, our gracious Lord, for the wonders of your word. Thank you that you love us so much that you are uh, willing to do anything to save us for an everlasting fellowship with you. Be with us this afternoon. And as we just ate and many would be challenged, um, struggling to stay awake and so forth, by your grace, keep our attention focused and help us to really receive what you have in store for us as blessing. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now, uh, just briefly, so that we be a little clearer about this idea of revival and reformation. Every, you know, people talk about it. Oh, we need to be revived, and we need the Holy Spirit so that we may be, you know, experiencing revival and reformation. Good, all that. But let us look a little closely what we are talking about in terms of definition. Oh, I guess I need to do this. Okay. Now. Okay. Why is this not working? Okay. Let me just do it. As, first, let's, let's read something. Okay. To set the stage. Now, I'm quoting Ellen White. And this is a very known, I mean, a well-known book. Prophets and Kings. You know, major. It's not some hidden article somewhere. You know, this, this is a very well-known quotation. She says, Christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. And this preparation they should make by diligently studying the Word of God and striving to conform their lives to its precepts. God, she says, called for a revival and a reformation. That's clear. You know, this is not something that we say, oh yeah, it's optional, that's the new fashion of the day, you know, people talk about revival. But notice, she connects all this with the second coming of Christ, with the signs of the time, with a time of tribulation. You know, there are two things that characterize us in times, and I will talk about that more in detail tomorrow. One is persecution, the other one is seduction, temptation. Satan uses these two weapons. Either he is trying to persecute the church to discourage, or he deceives the church. Okay, two things. Now, in this setting, Ellen White says Christians should be preparing. Now, when you say preparing, meaning this is something that you are mindful about. It's not just, you know, okay, all right. Why, you know, why don't we pray every once in a while? And, no, this is being intentional about living in the time of the end. Christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world. As in, now notice, overwhelming surprise. Overwhelming surprise. Now, you ought to know, uh, I work with the United Nations uh, as the liaison for the church. They seek for peace. They, I mean, there are a lot of things that people try to look for. But 
surprise is going to come. And she says, overwhelming surprise. Meaning, people did not expect that. Unexpected, in, uh, in other words. Okay? So, what is that? And then she says, we should be diligently. Notice, she, she is already giving here an antidote or solution. Study of the word of God. By the way, this is what we try to do this morning, briefly. Okay? And then, striving to conform their lives. You notice these two. Studying and conforming our lives to its precepts. And then she says very clearly, God calls for a revival and a reformation. This is God's calling. It's not the Seventh-day Adventist world president's calling. No. (laughs) It is God's calling. Uh, Maybe I should tell you something. Do you know that what is happening in this world... It's not just by chance. The fact that at this time the Seventh-day Adventist Church is called to give heed to revival and reformation, it is not by chance. And as we will see a little later, uh, Satan would like also to bring counterfeit. Unquestionably. And we will read some of the statements uh, that, you know, that are uh, surprising. Interestingly, I was thinking about you uh, our brother here, because he asked the question, I'm expanding a little bit on revival and reformation. You wanted definitions and so forth. So I thought I would share this with you. I have several presentations on this, so I'm just taking you know, a snapshot here and there to at least help before we get into our topic really today. So, think about this. So, let me just read it because last time and then we move on. Christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. And this preparation uh, they should make by diligently studying the word of God and striving to conform their life to its precept. And then I was just commenting on the fact that God calls for a revival and reformation. This is not, you know, Elder Ted Wilson or, you know, some of the... And I was just telling you something that is of interest. Uh, I open a parenthesis. You know, last year... Last year, 2010, that is, we're still in 2011, they were, you know, everything that is happening in the Seventh-day Adventist, well, everything that is happening in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, when we call people to do something in the church, guess what? The same thing is happening in the world. Okay? Example. We talk about mission, right? We focus, actually, even the word revival and reformation, you have a slogan we use now, Revival for Mission. Okay? In 2010, there were four major conferences on mission in the evangelical, in the Christian world. Four. The first one was in Tokyo, called Tokyo 2010. Then, uh, followed by uh, Edinburgh 2010. Actually, I represented the church at Edinburgh 2010 as an you know, uh, observer. Uh, in, uh, interestingly, then you have Cape Town. I, I also re- represented the church at, uh, in uh, Cape Town. Now, Cape Town was organized by the Lausanne Three Movement Baptist. Do you know what is their logo or their motto? Their motto is the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Right? Now, then you have another major meeting. This time, Boston, the fourth one, more for you know, scholarly work, centered on mission. 
And again, this year, uh, in, uh, uh, now notice, you have Asia, Tokyo. You have Edinburgh, Scotland in Europe. Then you have Africa, Cape Town. Then you have Boston. The next meeting is going to be organized, on mission, is going to be organized by Pentecostals. Where will it happen? In South America. So, anyway, now, that is for revival and reformation, right? Uh, no, uh, that is for mission. Guess what? Last year, to, uh, at the general conference, you remember that? I think it was about June 25, somewhere, somewhere around there. June 25, uh, when the new president was elected, Elder Wilson, he mentioned revival and reformation as a major you know, thrust in the Seventh-day Adventist church for, the, for this quinquennium. Now, uh, <laughs> I read a lot. Um, you know, I try to find out what is going on in the world, and that's part of my work somewhat. But June 10, June 10, a study Bible came out. And guess what, is the, what was the name of that study Bible? Revival and Reformation Study Bible. So, we are not living in an isolated world. Something is happening. But that tells you God wants to do something with his people, unquestionably. You know, but sometimes because we are not aware of our privileges, right? God use whatever venues. Now, now I'm not going to expand more because they are genuine Christians in other denominations. Okay? I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't even. Okay, all right. Let me just put this completely off. I thought I did. All right. You know. So uh, it's 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 an important, I believe, that we realize what what is going on in the world, especially what is most important for me is to focus on the mission I'm trying to put this up, um, just quickly sorry okay now okay and now here and that's it okay so uh, so that was the <laughs> so when we talk about revival and reformation God is the one who calls for it okay now then uh, let me, I have to do this, I understand. And now notice, Ellen White says, God calls for revival and reformation. Um, the clearest definition of revival and reformation are found in the writings of Ellen G. White in the following. Let me share this with you. A revival and a reformation must, notice, take place under the ministration of who? The Holy Spirit, clearly. Revival and reformation are what? Two different things. So we need to be clear about this. So what is revival? Revival signifies a spiritual, a, a renewal of spiritual life. Okay? A quickening of the powers of the mind and heart. A resurrection from the spiritual death. Now remember this morning I took you in the Bible, yeah, through the Bible... Uh, talk about Jesus when he, when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The reason why Jesus is the foundation for re revival and reformation 
only He, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, can give life. So revival is connected to who Jesus is fundamentally. Now, think about this. And then, reformation, what is that? Signifies reorganization. A change in ideas and theories, habits and practices. Reformation will not bring forth the good fruit of righteousness. Oh, good fruit of righteousness? We will pick that up a little later uh, from the Bible this time. Unless it is connected with the revival of the Spirit. So in other words, true reformation cannot occur until true revival occurs. They go together. Now, listen to what she says. So these are two different things. This is clear, by the way. Then next. Okay. Then uh, she says, Revival and reformation are to do their appointed work. And in doing this work, they must what? Blend. I mean, clearly. Okay? Uh, um, Then, this being said, in her thinking, the concept of reformation is necessary. That is what the word incontrovertible means. You know, inescapable, something. Uh, Listen to this. She says, the time has come for a thorough reformation to take place. When this reformation begins, Now, we see, the spirit of prayer will actuate every believer and will banish from the church the spirit of discord and strife. Right? Now, think about this. Uh, uh, (laughs) We cannot manufacture this. This is not fabricated, you know? Like, okay, all right, let's pray, let's pray. You know, you can pray all you want. And this is the, the, my next presentation, actually, shortly. Prayer doesn't do it. Not enough. Worship, not enough. <laughs> All those things. that we, I mean, ritual life, not enough. Even doing good things, humanitarian work, philanthropic work, not enough. Why? Give me a chance this afternoon to show you why, from the Bible. Okay? But before we get there, let's just, one more step, please. That is, Okay, uh, look, re- revival and reformation. First of all, why do we need it? Because, you know, <laughs> when God calls for something, it's because the world needs it. It is God's response. So then, we have to ask our question, uh, what is the problem? <laughs> Let me uh, just, to show you how this is important, and I know we will not, Uh, take too much time on this, but do you know that every religion is an answer to a problem? Or an attempt to solve a problem? Every one of them. If you ask, for example, a Hindu, what is Hinduism all about? By the way, do you know Hinduism? Well, Hindus don't call themselves Hindus. Their religion is called Sanatana Dharma, that means everlasting religion. That's their claim. They claim to bring an everlasting solution to problems that people are facing. Now, the question, if you ask them, what is or what are the problems? They will say, okay, the problem, first of all, is bad karma. Meaning, if you do bad deeds in this world, you have to come back, reincarnate in another world in order to pay the bad actions you have done in the previous life. 
So the whole of Hinduism is how to break that cycle. So reincarnation, by the way, new birth, is bad news for them. If you come to say, I mean, to a Hindu or a Buddhist, you must be born again. I would say, oh no. Because that's bad news. So you understand why we have, to under, uh, we have to understand their mindset in order to present the gospel in a way that makes sense to them. Anyway, something happens here. Then uh, 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 Hindus will say, bad karma is one of the problems. The, the other problem, they will say, you know, the soul, Atman, they call it, is separated with Brahman, divinity. Hindus believe that we were divine beings. But we lost that. So the goal of this religion is to reunite the soul and divinity. How do you do that? Well, through yoga. And there are four ways that Hindus propose. Okay? Now, this is not a class on world religion, so I'm not going to expand too much on it. I share these things in some, uh, you know, in some uh, other settings. But... You ask a Buddhist, so what, what is the problem? The Buddhist will say the problem is suffering. Because why suffering? Well, because human beings are living under illusion. Illusion of what? They don't see reality as it really is. What we consider reality for Buddhists is not reality. Oh, okay, so then what is the problem really? They will say there are three poisons. Greed, hatred, and I mentioned that, and then illusion. Okay, but how do you solve that? Well, the four noble truths and the eightfold path. I'm not going to, you know, enter into those details. But, but, what are the problems? That, this is what I'm leading you. By the way, Muslims, the same thing. If you ask them, what is the problem? They will tell you, oh, the problem is idolatry, the problem is uh, polytheism, and the problem is forgetfulness. Hmm. Because Muslims believe that we have forgotten the primordial nature with which God has created us. So, the goal of Islam, in fact, is to recover that primordial nature. How do you do that? Well, if the problem is forgetfulness, what would the solution be? Remembrance, of course. Why? Because Muslims, this is why they pray five times a day, they recite, the, you know, the, etc. So everything they do is to remember. But, of course, when we come to Christianity, the problems are deeper than that. And, okay, let me just share something with you briefly. Uh, actually, I have, I have to ask you a question. Uh, I need your help on this one. Imagine someone who, is, uh, <laughs> who has several fatal diseases. Okay? You heard me, right? Several fatal diseases. And then someone comes to that person and says, Hey, someone has found... Uh, let's say the person has ten fatal diseases, okay? And then, the, you know, with, uh, someone tells that person, hey, someone has found one cure of the ten. Is that good news? Kind of? No? <laughs> Is that good news? Okay, alright. Yeah, well, that's a good beginning, right? Okay. Now, let's say somebody comes and says, you have ten fatal, now, fatal diseases, and someone has found nine cures for nine of your fatal diseases. Is that good news? No. <laughs> At least we can say not good enough. Why? Because the last one is going to kill that person anyway. Right? You know? So, for the good news to be good news enough, we need 
a comprehensive antidote or cure to all the diseases. This is precisely what Jesus Christ does. Only in the Bible do you find a comprehensive, I mean a comprehensive diagnosis of human diseases, problems and predicament. Only in the Bible. And therefore only in the Bible do you find, and, and I can say that with confidence, a comprehensive solution to all those diseases. This is why Jesus came, I mean, you know, he had to become sin for us. He had to bear the curse. Notice that. You know, he has to go through Gethsemane. And trust God. He has to be on the cross. Die. I mean, etc. All those things in order to liberate us. Therefore, he can say, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. No? Only Jesus can. And by the way, he had to conquer death. But that's part of the problem. <laughs> right? I mean, David is in his tomb. Muhammad is in his tomb. Confucius and Guru Nanak and all those people. Right? But Jesus is resurrected. And that's fundamental difference. Now, okay. So what is the problem that needed a cure? Listen to, uh, fundamentally, revival and reformation are antidotes to global problems. Now, for time's sake, since this, this is just the first part of my presentation, allow me, please, to just go back to one quotation from Ellen White. You know, I have two kinds of presentations. Have you noticed? One essentially based on the Bible, one kind, and there are several of those, and another kind when I talk to Adventists. You see what I'm saying? And then I quote Ellen White with that other kind. You know why? Because Adventists, you know, trust in the writings of Ellen White. So I can, but we ought to be able to uh, present, of course, whatever biblical truth from a biblical perspective also. You know, we, we cannot be credible until we do that. Now, let me say this. Now, let me read. Listen, this is interesting. On the Protestant churches and the Reformation. Now, this is from another perspective. Ellen White wrote the following, and I'm quoting her. And by the way, this is from a major book, and I do it on, on purpose sometimes to take those known books from Ellen White so that people will not think, oh, this is some obscure, you know, citation you take, the, you know, etc. No, no, no. Listen to this. The Protestant churches of America and, of, and those of Europe as well, highly favored in receiving the blessings of the Reformation, failed to press forward in the path of the Reformation. Interestingly, Though a few faithful men arose from time to time to proclaim new truth and expose long-cherished error, the majority, and this is interesting about your uh, remark, brother, from Canada, you know, uh, earlier. Okay. Oh, it's working, finally. Okay. All right. Then I can come here. She says, Like the Jews in Christ's day, all the papers in the time of Luther were content to believe as their fathers believed and to live as they lived. Therefore, religion again degenerated into formalism. Now we're talking about revival and reformation. This case, this other approach, is that religion degenerated into formalism, errors, suppositions, uh, could, uh, which would have been cast aside had the church continued to walk in the light of God's word, were retained and cherished. 
I don't know if you realize something happened uh, during the Reformation. I need to just see when I should start the first meeting here. How much time do I have? Just want to make sure I have enough time to share with you. Uh, 3.45. Okay, excellent. So that means... Okay, good. By the way, here we are in Wittenberg, Wittenberg, Germany. What happened? In 1517, you know what happened? Luther nailed 95 theses at the door of the castle of Wittenberg. Okay? 95 theses. From those 95 theses, uh, well, why did he do it? Maybe I should tell you the story, just briefly. He did it because at the time the Pope was Leo X. And Leo X wanted to renovate the chapel, you know, uh, and actually he even asked one of one, you know, famous artists at the time to do the work. However, it was costly. I mean, Leonardo da Vinci. It was costly. Okay? Very costly. He didn't have the money. So, he had a businessman. Uh, whose name was Johann Tetzel. Johann Tetzel devised a plan. And the plan is to have the church bring money into the treasury of the Pope. How would Johann Tetzel did it? Well, it was simple. Indulgences. The selling of the indulgences. For what purpose? Well, the Pope at the time claimed the prerogative to shorten the time that people spend in purgatory. How do you do that? Well, if you have a relative who can pay to the church money, indulgences, no, then the Pope will eventually diminish the time. People, now notice why Ellen White was talking about superstitions, cherished. So, people then could basically... Uh, I mean, you know, uh, shorten the time of suffering. There was even some, uh, like, advertisement, you know, this jingle and so forth, it's nothing new. But at the time, think about it, when the, uh, so, what, there was a famous statement, when the coin in the coffin ring, a, a soul from purgatory spring. And people, wow. Yeah. So, let's keep going. I mean, how would you feel if you, you, know, you lost your mother, your father, your uncle, your whatever. So they are dead now, but you know they are not perfect. So they have to spend some time in purgatory, according to, to the belief of the day. So, uh, give some money. Okay? Luther started protesting that. That is where the Protestant, you know, I mean, of course, there was a uh, there was a meeting, you know, and uh, the, the 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 princes protested, and the word Protestants started from there. But no time to go into detail here. But to say this, from this event, in came what is what is known now, not only of the ninety-five theses, 
but also what is known as the five solars. Five solars. Each one of them is making a statement. First of one, uh, f- uh, first of all, number one is sola scriptura. I'm just translating scripture alone, meaning not the tradition, not the teaching of the councils, and you name it. Scripture. Second, grace alone, sola gracia. Three. Faith, not work. Grace, not merit. In other words, you cannot buy your salvation. Okay? Uh, four, Jesus, Solus Christus, Christ alone, not the Pope. And finally, five, the uh, Deo Gloria, to, all, uh, to, glory, uh, to God be all the glory. Hmm? Glory to God alone. So the Protestant Reformation was basically based, grounded on these five principles. And to this very day, by the way, we Adventists, we talk about what? Scripture. Right? We say we're saved by grace. Based on Christ's atonement, sacrificial death on the cross substitutionary death on the cross. And then faith. And then we talk about Christ alone, etc., etc. Now, listen to this. When Ellen White talked, uh, and by the way, the Reformation continued, this was in Germany, but in Switzerland, in Zurich. Let me just share this uh, with you briefly. In Zurich, in Zurich, there were Zwinglian, Zwingli. But Zwingli also protested and he came with some principle but what I want to draw your attention to is that Zwingli is <laughs> like every Christian denomination is going to say well the reformation doesn't go far enough you, do you know why you have so many Christian denominations because every denomination will come and say huh, it did not go far enough so we're going to take the reformation to its intended goal you will see why this is important for Adventists today when we talk about, oh, you know, revival and reformation, who we are, fill us, oh, Holy Spirit. What for? <coughs> People in the past prayed for that. There were revival, there were reformation, there were revivals. Do you know that? Several of them. Major one in Christian history. So why do we come today and talk about revival? Revive us, oh Lord. What for? What is the issue? Now, think about this. Zwingli, uh, you know, they say the, Re- the Re- Reformation did not go far enough. But Zwingli, I- interestingly, <laughs> do you know he died in, uh, in a battlefield? Why? Because he thought, he, he thought that the state and religion, they should, you know, be together also. He died fighting. But there were some people there who started questioning his approach to the whole Reformation. And those people, by the way, are called the Anabaptists. Why? They say, huh, since we have to go back to the Scripture, let us be consistent. Scripture doesn't teach infant baptism. So these people start by saying, 
Okay, let's be baptized again. Anna in Greek means again. So Anna Baptist is baptized again. Right? By the way, I'm taking time, because I know there are most young people here taking time to share this with, with you. I don't know what people say, but theology is fascinating. Spirituality is fascinating. Don't settle with, you know, little thing. oh, you know, all, all I need is some verses here and then from Ellen White quotes. Study as much as you can. Why? Because you become a blessing to those around you also by sharing. Not for your own self-glorification or gratification, no. But for service in the church, God gives gifts. You know? So, uh, and I'm saying this to encourage you, you should know these things. And actually... Even by reading the book, The Great Controversy, what Ellen White does is really, if people were following, they would, they would be conversant to know these things. Okay? It's not by chance. Now, uh, the Anabaptists, uh, and actually from them come the Mennonites, this exists to this very day. They had uh, also their principles that they call Basin. This is like an abbreviation. <laughs> Again, they were saying, huh, look at what is happening with the Lutherans because the Lutherans came here these are the reformed churches and the the reformed churches if I were to continue and focus on this Christian history it's fascinating I will take you to Geneva because there you have Calvin from which came the Calvinists and even the Puritans who came to America afterwards Calvinists Episcopalians etc 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 I'm not going to go into those details but the, the here they had a, 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 a mnemonic device. Basin stands for, they say, when we go back to the Bible, what do we find? Well, we find brotherhood of all believers. You see what I'm saying? Brotherhood of all believers. In other words, Christians are brothers and sisters. So if we want to be consistent with our Christianity, you know, Reform, with our reformation, the reformation should take us to that. Second, adult baptism, not infant baptism. Then, here, in context, we can understand that separation of church and state. Remember, I was telling you, Zwingli did not do that. He died in a battlefield fighting for the state and the church, united together. You know, you live in America, we live in America. Why do we have separation of church and state? You know what I'm saying? It, there is something behind. There is a story behind. And then, okay, the I means in the world, but not of the world. And then the N, hmm, this one is a difficult one, even for Adventists today. When I became Adventist, guess what? It was out of the question for me to be in a military service. In, you know, I, I became Adventist in Europe. We separate the two. Many young people there, they do civil service, not military service. Why? Because of this principle of pacifism, non-violence. But when you come to America, the idea of embracing, you know, military, chaplain, and all these things is just now, you know. But this is why Mennonite, the Anabaptists, they tell us, well, 
well, let me put it this way. How can we be relevant to these people? When, we, when they realize that in the Iraq war, I mean in the Iraq war, uh, Adventists were among combatants. And that means killing others, right? And many of them had the choice not to. But they went still. Okay? Now let me close that. The, we're talking about revival and reformation. And let me take you back to this now. Listen to this. Ellen White now. In this background and context. And I could continue telling about other churches and their contributions and so forth and so on. But that's not the place here. You say, okay. Religion, again, degenerated into formalism. Errors and superstition which would have been cast aside had the church continued to walk in the light of God's word. So the church did not continue to walk in the light of God's word. Yes, you have denomination after denomination trying to you know, reform this. But no, 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 it did not. And then listen to what she says after that. Thus, the spirit inspired by the reformation gradually what? Died out. Therefore, you need revival. And then she says, until there was almost as great need of reform in the Protestant churches as in the Roman church in the time of Luther. There was the same. Now listen to this. Worldliness. This is what, and this is true for Adventist bound, by the way. This is why these meetings are so meaningful. Because young people around the world decide to take Adventism seriously. Decide to take God seriously. And decide to do it differently. You know, I mean really. And that's why I come. Because I say, I want to encourage this. My first, <laughs> my first, uh, you know, uh, I mean impulse was to say, oh, no. Just going there for a short seminar and then, you know, you have a few people as, you know, and then you just go. But, I, but God made it clear, it doesn't matter. Even if you were two people, go and share. It doesn't matter. I'm seriously, because I'm, I'm very busy. I'm too, too busy. My work, I have so many deadlines now, you know, it's almost impossible to meet them all, impossible. Right? But, but this is important. Listen to this. He said, there was the same worldliness and spiritual stupor. A similar reverence for the opinions of men. It's amazing how people depend on opinions carved on TV. Oh, this is the... This is the fashion. Who decides that? Now think about it. We just follow. Who decides that? Oh, this is the fashion. Oh, this is how we, you know, this is the new, uh, this is the new method for, okay, who decides this or that? Now think about it. And then say, and substitution of human theories for the teachings of God's word. I'm sorry. We don't need new theories or even books about unless they remind us to go back to the Bible. No, seriously. By the way, this, is, this was the reason why I purposefully this morning made a presentation. In, uniquely, even you could just take your Bible and that's it. And share that. That's it. You, you, <laughs> you don't even need to quote me. Why? Because it's there in Scripture. You own it too. Because God, 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 God owns it. Now, then, and oh, by the way, this is no obscure book. This is the Great Controversy, page 298. That it says this thing. About the need, therefore, for revival and reformation. Why? Because the spirit that inspired 
Protestantism died out gradually. Of course, there are men, you know, men arose, she says, here and there. Uh, uh, and also, you, you notice, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you just uh, what were the problems that required a new look at this idea of revival and reformation. Okay, here is this. She further states, seeing, now listen to this carefully, seeing the failure of his effort, talking about Satan, to crush out the truth by what? Persecution. He tried with the early church. Satan had again resorted to the plan of compromise, which led to the great apostasy of the, and the formation of the church of Rome. You see, two things. Persecution and deception. Now, please, don't be judging our brothers and sisters Catholic. Okay? We are not Catholic bashers. God has his people among Catholics. And among all kinds of denominations. And he's going to enlighten them. This is why our revival and reformation is also part of God's plan in order to share. But guess what? This is not just sharing... <laughs> Uh, and, and I thought um, that I mentioned this, I emphasize on this very much this morning. Revival and reformation lead, lead to practical. You cannot be revived if you don't love like God. If you don't look at people the way God looks at them. If you don't value them the way God values them. In other words, it is embracing God's life. And that's beautiful. You know, this is why I was insisting... Uh, when you are revived, then you, you start seeing the church as a family. True family. Where you look at your brother, your sister, you desire their good. Authentically. You wish them well. And it comes from the heart. Yeah? See, it's no theory, something. Now, uh, then she says, okay, oh, sorry, go, go back. So, According to Ellen White, then, let me summarize, the problems that necessitated a reformation among the Protestant churches are what? The following. Look at this. Religion degenerated into formalism, right? Errors and superstitions retained and cherished. Therefore, the need for truth, by the way. Hmm? And then, spirits inspired by reformation gradually died out. Worldliness, spiritual stupor, reverence for the opinions of men, and substitution of human theories for the teaching of God's word. Notice what I have nothing extraordinary, nothing mysterious. I just read that quotation and say, okay, here are the problems that require, that necessitated to have a reformation. And this is also, unfortunately, seemingly, what is happening in our churches worldwide. Yes, the Adventist church is growing, but what kind of church are we having? Are people grounded on God's word? Or are they coming to church for a show, religious entertainment, so that, you know, we, have a, we need a good preacher? You know, this like during the time of Roman arenas, you know, people need, need, needed to be in, uh, I mean, entertained. Good orators, you know, I mean, 
good, uh, <laughs> uh, good, good religious entertainer. That's it. How about, how does it affect your life? As I was saying this morning, not important. Uh, does it make you a loving person? No, I had a f- well, I had fun. I I had a good time. That's all that counts. And that's terrible. So then, then I understand, you know, compromise and apostasy, and that is what Ellen White says: great great controversy and no mystery there. About okay, I have to uh, stop here, and I will take it tomorrow about this aspect okay meaning well once your church is revived i will talk about prophecy and revival and that is my topic for tomorrow okay but i just wanted at least for this first section briefly talk about revival and reformation i hope it is clearer in your mind about what we are talking about in terms of definition okay all right so, this being said, it's now 3.25, it's usually 50 minutes uh, section, and then we have a break of 5 minutes, then you come back, I start the second section, right? Is that, uh, do, do, do I, is my uh, schedule correct? Right? Good. Yes, so what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do is, when we come back from pause, I ask you, is there anything that was not clear, you know, and then we can, uh, uh, I mean, I can repeat some things, but we needed to distinguish what revival is, what reformation is, why it is necessary, you know, what are the problems that necessitated for us to consider this, because the Holy Spirit filled me is connected to this idea, right? Because when the Holy Spirit fills you, then you are revived. Okay? Uh, so, th- therefore it is important that we be clear about this. So, then what I'm going to do is to tell you what is it that really matters to God without which even our prayer is deemed worth- worthless by God. Okay? What is it that we really need? Christ's righteousness. But what is that? You know, people all justification, righteousness by faith. Wonderful words. What does it mean concretely when we come back? Okay? So would you take just five minutes and then we're going to resume. Um, Alright? Blessings. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.